had originally come from Lancashire. They moved to Yorkshire because my father was offered a better job, and that is how my brother and I became two Yorkshiremen in a family of Lancastrians. My brother and I would go and stay with my grandparents in Alfred Street in Lancaster, and there we refought the Wars of the Roses. Grandad in his chair would say, Have you taught them to play cricket over there yet? But Grandad, we invented it. It's a Yorkshire game, is cricket. Don't be daft, they don't know how to play cricket over there. My grandad was a proper grandad. He worked in the mill and wore a flat cap and a knotted white scarf instead of a collar and tie, a waistcoat with a gold watch chain hanging down over his tummy. He wore boots, too, one with an iron brace from the heel to the knee to support an ankle, a bit of which was left behind on the Somme. My grandmother was the daughter of a stonemason in Lancaster, I can still see her, a little woman dressed in black, jet black hair parted down the middle, making breakfast at the black iron range. I can smell the tomatoes frying in the black iron pan now. Grandad once took me to the circus, and the clowns asked if any children wanted to come into the ring and join them jumping up and down on the trampoline. I got there first. When we got back to Alfred Street, he said, he was out of his seat like a rocket and bouncing up and down with clowns right up as high as the flying trapeze. This story was told many times over the years, and each time I would get higher and higher, and Grandad would say, and I knew from that moment. My father, Horace Bewes, was a clerk in the electricity showrooms. Many years later in the sixties on late-night lineup, Joan Bakewell asked me, What does your father do? He's a clerk. He's been a clerk all his life. She laughed. Why did you laugh? I asked. Oh, you said it so proudly. Well, I was proud of him. He was a good man. No one ever said a bad thing about him. Or perhaps in my mother's eyes he was too unambitious and a pain in the shops. But I remember him going off to work on his bicycle. His cycle clips round his legs so that his suit trousers wouldn't get oil on them from the chain, his mac in a roll over his shoulder, an honest man. He couldn't tell a lie. And he never sat down to write a letter. What are you doing, Dad? I'm just drafting a letter, Rodney. I was definitely getting worse. The doctor had a conference with my mother. I would advise a milder climate, Mrs. Bewes. Move south, perhaps. So my father got a job in the electricity showrooms in Luton. Number 18 Hollybush Road was one of a circle of thirties half-stucco, half-red brick houses with curved crittle windows and a cornfield stretching for miles behind. They sent me to Queen Square Infants, big A-frame Victorian school with dark beams and partitions which were half-panelled, half-beveled glass. There were hundreds of other boys sitting cross-legged on the floor in short grey trousers, and the noise. This is not going to last, I thought, and it didn't. I was proper, proper poorly, often, and sometimes, well, sometimes I just couldn't face it. I read well, Greek and Russian literature, no rubbish. My mother was a teacher. I made peep shows out of shoeboxes, a pinprick at one end, tissue paper at the other, and rows of painted scenery, a torch at the tissue paper end that lights up a tableau. I had cardboard theatres with characters that came on and off on slides. I wrote plays for them but I could never catch up at school. Time's tables were a mystery to me. I also fear I never learnt the values that normal children learn. I never had a proper sense of right or wrong. 
My father didn't have to go and be a soldier because he worked for the electricity board, but he was a fire watcher, and I was very proud about that. Then it was all over, and there were parties in the streets with flags and jelly, and near as the prisoner of war camp got fuller and fuller. I saw them in their khaki jackets with big yellow patches on the backs, Germans and Italians, a knock at the front door. Bessie opened the door to see an army officer. Uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Buse? Yes, Horace, put the kettle on. Come in here, sit down. Uh, thank you. I'm going round the neighbourhood asking if anyone is willing to have a German soldier for Christmas Day. Now, my granddad had left a piece of his ankle on the Somme, and Uncle Jim had been at Dunkirk. My mother said, Oh, of course, we'll have two, please. We had goose. We always had goose and a stocking with all the proper things in it, tangerines and a silver coin, piles of parcels, even with rationing. It's Christmas, Grandad said. We must not embarrass them by talking about the war. The two German prisoners of war came and everyone talked about the war. Grandad showed them his boot with the iron strap just below the knee. Aye, I left a bit of me uncle on the Somme. The Germans really were called Fritz and Kurt. Fritz jolly and round and Kurt tall and thin and strict, straight-backed, perhaps more like the German soldier I had expected. They brought my brother and me a present each, wrapped in brown paper, a tank with a six-inch nail for the gun for my brother and a fort for me, a door hinge for the drawbridge. Everybody had a good time. Wasn't it an English thing to do? I think we're the only country in the world that would do such a thing. Have a prisoner of war for Christmas. My parents despaired at me ever having an education. They came up with the idea of a private school. My mother set her heart on Tring, and I must say I liked the blazer. Then there I was standing in the entrance hall, all the boys with their sports things and bags and books. A master said to me, Boy, where's your shoe bag? I didn't have one. I thought, just let's try and get to the end of the week. I did like the geography class. When the master asked a question, I was the only one who could answer. If the world is round like a football, how do we make a flat map of it? I said, if you take an orange and peel it, all the segments are like the world before you start to make a map of it. I got a well done, bright boy. But I didn't manage a whole term. Another school was going to have me, St. Albans, a better blazer and nearer. But I didn't even stay as long as at Tring. I went back to Yorkshire, to Ingleton, a special place of waterfalls and caves and mountains, for a holiday with Auntie Edna, my mother's sister. Auntie Edna packed me and my cousin Michael off to the high fells, camping, up tops with words with sheep. We had a little tent pitched by a torrent of a stream. We had a campfire, and the air was so clean, so fresh. Suddenly I felt well, strong. I was twelve, so perhaps I was changing anyway. Now I found myself at a secondary modern school, a twenty-minute bike ride away. The school was a new building, round windows, and assembly hall with a stage at the end, where we did plays. Our form master, Mr. Tassie, helped me. He understood I could never catch up on sums, grammar, and spelling, and I never have. Many years later, Sir Ralph Richardson would tell me to watch the consonants, but I didn't know what he meant. I've never got over how odd it is that I'm an actor. I've been an actor for fifty years, and I still think it's odd. I started acting because I wrote a letter to the BBC. 
My father took a good socialist newspaper, the Daily Herald, and I read that a producer at Lime Grove was searching for schoolboys to be in a television series. My reply came in the form of a postcard dated the 27th of November, 1951, my birthday, addressed to Master Rodney Bowes. Would it be convenient for you to come to an audition at the BBC Studios Lime Grove Shepherd's Bush on Monday the 3rd of December at 2pm? Perhaps you would let me know if you cannot come. Barbara Forrester, Secretary to Joy Harrington. Oh, it's convenient, I thought. I've waited a long time for this. All those days propped up in bed. All those days of being proper, proper poorly. My mother and I went to London. I wore my blazer with the Eagle comic badge. At the BBC Lime Grove Studios, the uniformed doorman showed us to the lift and pulled the gates back with a crash. Forever afterwards, whenever I hear that noise, my mind flashes back to that December day when I was just thirteen and going to meet a television producer. Joy Harrington and her secretary had tea and biscuits waiting. I'm casting a series, Billy Bunter. Do you know the books? Oh, yes, uh, rather, the, the Fat Boy. Do you like the books? Oh, yes, rather. Actually, I thought them posh. The whole point of today is to see you. I can't promise anything. I'm seeing hundreds of, uh, actors. You're certainly not fat, but you have a round face, perhaps with a little padding. Flippin' heck, flippin' heck. She's thinking of me for the main part. Flippin' heck. I want you to read for me. Is that all right? Oh, yes, I can. Oh, yes. We read scenes, and we read some more. You read very well, she said after a while, and I thought she looked thoughtful. Dad was doing his jobs in the kitchen when we got home. How did you get on?